welcome back. Episode number 90 of the New York Pages podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my coach, Bruno Luca. And today we're honored to have on Greg Adams, who was a top player for Vancouver and was part of the team for the 1994 Stanley Cup final versus New York. He had the OT winner in game one. And prior to, he had the double OT winner to send them to the Stanley Cup final. He had 743 points in his 1056 game career. We're going to be talking about all that and more. But first, just want to let you guys know to go to insidetheringcom slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And welcome back. We're honored to have Alan Greg Adams. Greg, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm uh, up in beautiful British Columbia, Canada, and enjoying the summer right now. Nice. Very nice. Um, well, I know you, uh, you're often in Phoenix and, uh, it's actually where we're going to start with you know, your career. Um, and you, uh, actually leading the nation in 83, 84 in your sophomore season at Nor- uh, Northern Arizona university. Um, you still went undrafted, which is very different to how it would be now. Can you speak to a little bit about how different it was playing in college back then versus how it is now? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, not, not really knowing exactly what, what the college hockey scene is now, but, um, Back then, it was just starting to become a, a route that guys could get to the NHL when I when I started playing. Nowadays, it's it's one of the major routes. You know, it's it's that or junior hockey. And when I was coming up uh, playing the the years I was playing, it was if you're gonna make it to the NHL, you pretty much had to go. The um, they wanted they wanted guys coming out of major junior, so it was it was kind of a second route to to get further in your career for sure. Back, uh, back in those days. Nice. You know, I just realized since you're in Arizona, have you been able to watch any of the ASU college hockey games? Uh, that, Cause they just kind of got a team the past few years. I went to school there a while ago uh, before, before they actually had a team. And now that they're on campus, it's something that I'm like regretting the fact that I'm, <laughs> I'm like 20 years older. If I was 20 years younger, it would have been awesome. Yeah, it, they they got a beautiful facility right on campus, and uh, you know they got they got the makings of, of putting together a real good uh, uh, you know team down there and a, a real good program. They got uh, they got money now and a lot of support from the community from the from the university, and uh, like I said, with the with the new facility down there, they got uh, they got good potential. I mean. You, you go to a kid in, in northern Canada and say, where do you want to go, Michigan or, or Arizona? I, I think most of them are going to say, let's go to Arizona if they got a good good enough program. Yeah, and it's it's not a, you know, I, I can attest to it. It's not a terrible place to go to college. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, it's, uh, I'm sure it, you had it, some fun there. Yeah, it has its, it has its benefits for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, in – I always think about this in Theo Fleury's biography. He he kind of spoke about how much he hates that coaches micromanage the game today with their systems. Do you think coaches are, today help the game or hurt the game in in a certain way? And obviously, it's a different case for every coach. But in a broad sense, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of have to go back to to when I was playing and how. At the start of my career, there there wasn't a whole lot of video, and which made for a, a much more open game, a faster game. All of a sudden, all the coaches started using video to break break games down and to break break everything down. 
And like you said, it became uh, so micromanaged and all of a sudden it, it wasn't as free willing. It wasn't as open. And, uh, you know, being a player and, and knowing that the next day you're going to have to go in the video room and, and look at all the mistakes you made, all of a sudden you, you get a little more, a little more scared of, of, of taking risks out there and, and trying to do plays where, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't so critiqued, you, you might take that chance of doing it, but knowing that you're going to get critiqued so much more, I think it takes the freedom out of the game. But that being said, I mean, you look at the, the some of the players now, they are getting pretty creative. I, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of the, the stuff these guys are doing nowadays, I don't think guys would have tried back when I played. Uh, they were, uh, you know, they were a lot, lot, lot more strict. The coaching seemed to be a lot more strict on, on, on being as free willing as they are nowadays. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, your career was, was often plagued by injuries and, and having played in one of the chippiest and dirtiest eras of the NHL. Uh, do you think your career would have unfolded differently in today's NHL where players are more protected and it's officiated so much differently than it was in your day? Uh, the, being the type of player I was, I definitely would have enjoyed playing in, in the game nowadays. Uh, yeah. You know, back back then it was it was definitely intimidation was such a big part of the game, I think. Back in the early '80s, uh, early '90s, you know, '80s, '90s, it was intimidation played a, a huge role in the game. And you look at the some of the players. Each team had, you know, they had three or four guys that were you. You had to know when they're on the ice, they were going to try and hurt you. But uh, you know, nowadays, I mean, every single guy. In the game now is an excellent skater. Back when I played, we had maybe five excellent skaters, five guys that were good skaters, and then we had five guys that were uh, carrying the lumber around, chopping everything they could see. So <laughs> it was. It's definitely. Uh, it's definitely a different game, and uh, I would have loved to play it in this game. Is there a, another player you played with you think would have benefited from the way the game is played and officiated now? I've always said uh, I think I would have loved to seen Pablo Burry play in the way the game is played now. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with him for quite a while, and actually we played together on the line. So I saw the firsthand some of the stuff he was able to do where there was so much hooking, holding, slashing, uh, and I would have loved to seen him play in the, in the game nowadays. I think he would have been – very close to a McDavid type player and would have been, you know, he was dynamic in the game we played. So it, to see him in the game today would have been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. He was so fast. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just explosive speed. And, and he was like, like McDavid, he had that explosive speed, but they're able to, to also handle the puck at that speed. I mean, there are a lot of guys that had that speed, but couldn't do the, do the things that uh, they can do. Uh, so what was it? I have a question about the, so we're going to switch over to the Stanley cup finals. Now, obviously for those of us, you know, we're since the Rangers podcast, not everyone, uh, Going back to 1994, the Stanley Cup Finals, you score the game-winning goal in game one of the uh, – game one, 
Jesus Christ, I can't speak right now. What is that? <laughs> I got like marbles in my mouth. Um, game one, you score the game winning goal in overtime in game one of the Stanley Cup finals in 94. What is the locker room like when you walk back in there after that goal? That, uh, well, I mean, I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that. And, and I think the, the real reason that it was, it was so exciting was we really didn't deserve to win that first game. Um, Kirk McLean stood on his head. He was, uh, our goaltending was, was fabulous. And he's the only reason that we were able to get to overtime, but, but to come out of that first game, uh, with an overtime win was, was, was really exciting. And, and all of a sudden you, you know, going into the series, we were definitely the underdogs. The Rangers were a, a high powered team and had, uh, a, a lot more, uh, star players than we had. So uh, to be able to steal that first game almost gave us a, a, a belief now that we, we had a chance to win this series. So before that overtime winning goal in game one, you had another overtime winning goal to send your team to the finals. Um, what is the secret to scoring all these clutch goals? <laughs> sure. uh, just being in the right spot at the right time and and uh, I think, but, you know, the, the reason you are in the right spot is you've, you've probably done good things along the way to, to get the ice time in overtime. Uh, you know, the coach is putting you out there a little extra because you, you've played right or you've made, you made good plays out there. You've made solid plays. You, you haven't made risky plays. And, and uh, so I think the coach has shown confidence in you to be out there, but but really, it's uh, you know, it's 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 being in the right spot at the right time, and uh, I was very fortunate. And I mean, those are two goals that I'll uh, cherish the rest of my life. And again, I just get goosebumps thinking about those those two goals. They were uh, uh, just highlights of my career by far. Yeah, I went back and watched those, and it is your your position. You were you were right there at the right time, but I. I don't think that's not just luck or an accident. It was, it was, it was that puck sense and knowing like, Hey, this is the spot I need to be in to get that. So um, I can see why that would, those would be playing in my memory over and over again. Every night I went to sleep. I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 They were, uh, I mean, there's, it's also the other guys you're on the ice with too. Everyone has to do the right thing. And there, right. there are guys that made plays three plays before the goal that, never get the credit, but made great plays to, to keep your play going in the right direction and, and give you the opportunity to score that goal. So uh, it really is, you know, to get to that point, it really is, it's a team, it's a team effort. And uh, there were guys that stepped up differently every single game. Someone stepped up big and someone made a great play. Someone scored a a big goal. So uh, it's, it's the whole team. Uh, just chipping in and I was uh, I was fortunate to have two two highlight spots and back to back there for sure uh, I mean I remember once I mean in uh, you know just in midget hockey scoring a, a tournament winning goal in overtime and going to the locker room and it was just like the best feeling in the world but you know when you like when, when you scored the Western Conference final winner and you're, you guys are now you're all going to the cup I mean is everyone just mugging you in in the locker room like what is that actual feeling like inside there it is I mean but I, like you said every 
no one's just hugging the guy that scored the goal. Everyone's hugging each other. It's everyone had a role. Everyone played a huge role to get us to overtime, to, to score the overtime goal. There's everyone. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, that, that team and any team that's been successful, it's amazing how much you come together as a group. And, uh, you know, every, I'm, I'm sure like every time the Oilers won a cup or the, the New York Islanders won a cup, like they just, they came together as a team and you have to do that. And, and I think that was my, my first real experience of being with a really close group of guys that, that were on the ice and, and, we're working for each other. We didn't really care who, who scored the goal, you know, within the dressing room, but it is, it's, it is an amazing feeling to win an overtime goal or an overtime game in the playoffs. It's, it's such a good feeling and the beer tastes so much better after. I'm one sure. Of those I'm sure. <laughs> um, uh, switching back to the, to the finals, uh, who was your least favorite Ranger to play against? Oh, well, I seem to get matched up against Jeff Bukaboom because he was on that side and uh, we we seem to always be playing against him and Leach. And uh, he, he's one of those guys, you know, that uh, he, he he's going to hit you hard if you come down his wing and uh, you have your head down or you're in the corner and not know where he is. You just you have to be aware of guys like that. He was yeah. hard to play against, but then also – Leach, he would embarrass you, you know, he would embarrass you the other way, like uh, put the puck through your legs or make you look stupid. So you, you kind of, you're always kind of on guard with him too, because he was such a good player and he, uh, he, he was very creative on the ice. That makes sense. I mean, we were just thinking about asking you about the, what was it like about having the defensive core of Leach, Zubov and Bukaboom, but that's, you just named two of them. And I, I imagine it's just got to be a mess to play against that group. Yeah, they were uh, they they were a very highly skilled team, and uh, like I said, uh, uh, Zuboff, I played, I ended up playing with him in Dallas, I and mean, that guy was he was amazing. The stuff he could do, he could stick handle his way out of a crowded phone booth. He was so good, and he had such such good vision on the ice, and tough guy to play against. After losing three straight games in the Stanley Cup final. Uh... Was there anyone who stepped up to rally the troops and force the game seven or any big changes uh, that kind of turned the tide a little bit for you guys? Yeah, you know, there wasn't. Uh, I, I look back on that and, you know, I think of those two games we had in Vancouver. Had we been able to squeak one of those out, we might have won the, you know, you're thinking, well, we might have won the cup had we been able to. But, you know, it was um, – I don't think there's anything. Everyone knew that they were given their all. It was just we had we had three games where we really weren't on top of our game, and I think we didn't have a lot of confidence either. Uh, we won the first game, and like I said, we we didn't even we feel like we kind of stole that one. Uh, the next three games, the Rangers were they were good. They were just hard to stop. We were we weren't playing the best we could play, but uh, I don't think we had the confidence. But all of a sudden. Um, you know, after game five, it's like, I think a lot of the pressure was off. It was, it was more, okay, we got nothing to lose. Let's go play the best we can play. And, and I think those next three games were our best games. Um, 
you know, coming up short in the last one, obviously, but still, they were all good games. We played, they were the best games of the series by far for us. Yeah. What was the bench like during the Pavel Bure penalty shot versus Richter in game four, that like famous uh, picture there? Yeah, it was, uh, well, I remember Pavel coming to the bench and uh, someone was going to, someone was going to try and say to him, say something to Pavel about Richter and, I forget who it was. I think it was Tim Hunter grabbed the guy by the back of the neck and pulled him down. Just let him do his own thing. Don't, don't get in his head. Don't, you know, let him do his own thing. Pavel knows how to score goals. So uh, yeah, that, and that was a, a, probably a big point. You know, I, I thought, I mean, Pavel made a great move. Richter just made a better move. He, he was, he was right on top of him and he followed him all the way in had, had the exact same speed as Pavel and, uh, he, he was able to, to make a great save. So, but it was, uh, it, it definitely, I think, like I said, Pavel made a, made a great move and, uh, it would have been nice. would have been, I think a big difference had we got that goal though. It's, it's so interesting because when you, when you like, if you like show that highlight to anyone and then pause it right before Richter makes his like last move, you're like, Oh, this is a goal. It's going Cause he, yeah. he completely, it was a beautiful move. And then, it was yeah. just it was such a beautiful play though all around. Um, yeah, it really was. So you had the it's pretty crazy that the the two two of the players that you played with, Burray and Madano, obviously in Dallas, uh later on in your career. Two of the faster players of the nineties. Who was faster? Uh, it's funny you pick those two because anytime anyone asks me that the two best players I play or the best player I play with, um, I have Two answers to that question. Pavel, because he was so dynamic, but Mike Medano, because he was the best all-around player I played with. Mm. Um, he had uh, Mike was able to play both ends of the ice, and he was just uh, he was a solid player. And like you said, the speed, the speed both of those guys had was phenomenal. Uh, it would have been cool to see Mike also play in, in today's game because he was he, he was one of those guys that could really generate a lot of speed. And, you know, you, I always, I always, in my mind, I can see him flying down the ice with that Jersey flapping. He was, uh, he was a fun guy to watch boy and a really good, good player. Who's the best goalie you ever went up against? Uh, I get that question too. And uh, it, it's it, to me, I didn't play against him a lot, but uh, Ed, I played with Eddie Belfer in, in Dallas. And uh, I mean, it's hard when you, you know, you play teams, you don't see the goalies all the time and you don't play against them a lot, but playing with Eddie in, in Dallas, I, I practice with them all the time. And I've never been so frustrated in my life coming off of practice. Cause I just could not score on the guy. There's something about his style that made me, uh, he, he got the best of me all the time. And it was, it was frustrating to, to have to practice with him because he was, uh, he was such a, he, he just, I don't know. His style was not good for me. I just could not see the net. I couldn't, could not score on that guy. Yeah. It'd be a tough one. I mean, also I imagine Kirk McLean probably wasn't easy to score against either. Cause that guy didn't give up a lot of goals either when he was on his game. Yeah, Kirk was uh, Kirk was a solid player. Kirk was that stand-up goalie though, so he yeah. 
he didn't try as hard in practice, I think, as Eddie did. <laughs> Kirk, would, Kirk would sometimes, if you shot to his stick side, he'd just move his stick. He wouldn't even kick the leg out. He was, uh, he was, he was more worried about playing in the games. I think. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's a good, that's a good tidbit. Um, throughout your career, uh, what, what were your three favorite arenas to play in, to go to, and whether it's the city or the arena, the whole vibe when you travel to? Right. That's. That's yeah. Um, well, the first one, the first arena for me was Montreal, the Montreal Forum. You know, growing yeah. up in Canada and seeing it on TV, the nostalgia of it all was was pretty awesome, and uh, always look forward to that. The second one, similar, would be Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs, the Gardens there, yeah. and um, the third, well, I'd have to say New York and uh, the Rangers. It was. You know, it was pretty iconic as well. And actually, New York was my uh, was my very first NHL game. So my first NHL game, I got a funny story, if you don't mind. I'll, I can oh, absolutely, tell you about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Some of the uh, the New York fans, I mean, they're they're <laughs> great, but they're awful at the same Brutal. time. Yeah. So anyways, it's my uh, first NHL game and it's in Madison Square Gardens. But uh, they called me up in the morning. Um, so I got into the dress room and the, the trainer came and he gave me my Jersey and he, there's no name bar. He goes, we had, we didn't have time to get your name on the back, but they're doing it right now and they'll have it here at game time. So go out and warm up and just skate or, you know, skate with this Jersey for warm up. So I'm, I, here I am Madison square gardens and very first NHL game. I get in the ice and I'm nervous and I'm just flying around the rink and, trying to get some of the nervous energy out. But well, the third time around, I come into the one corner and a New York fan leans over the glass. And he yells, hey, 24, who are you? And I'm going, oh, my God, this guy's taking the wind out of my sails. This is my first <laughs> NHL game and I'm getting tackled. <laughs> I skate around again. Hey, 24, who are you? I'm thinking, oh, no. So I go, I got I got to. I got to say something to this guy. So we split in two groups in each corner. And I go to that corner thinking, okay, he's going to say it again. So I'm standing in the corner waiting. And sure enough, the guy leans over the glass. He goes, Hey, 24, who are you? I go, you cheap bugger. Go buy a program. He goes, I did. You're not in it. <laughs> that was my uh, NHL uh, trying to get back at a fan. I, I learned not to do that in New York ever again. That's if they, great. If they're going to heckle you, let them heckle you. <laughs> yeah. What, so I didn't, I didn't realize your first game was, was against the Rangers. That's interesting. Was, what, what was Haggy? Would he been on the bench then when you played your first game then? Uh, I think he was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He would have been sure. Wow, yeah. so he was actually, he was there to watch your first game. Yeah. Yeah. That's he wild. on the bench then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. I never knew that. I always find this interesting to th talk to players looking at the game. Now, if you could pick your line mates and build the perfect line for you to play with, Let's take McDavid out of it because I think anyone like I like I can play it and not not like be be good with McDavid, but you know it's just almost a cheat code with McDavid. If right. you could build your perfect line, who would it be? Who would be the center and who would be the other wing? Well, if I'm playing in today's game, the way the game's played today, I would want uh, with without McDavid maybe Drysaddle, 
would be one guy I would like to play with. Uh, and, uh, geez, just cause his passing skills are amazing. But the other guy would maybe, uh, McKinnon to play with a guy with that speed would be fun too. In the, in the game today, if it was back when I played, I would want uh, one of those two and a tough guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a, maybe a Mac and Chuck in there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, he um, could play. In he any got the skill and the toughness. You know, he could probably yeah. go back in that era and still do all right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Back in yeah back in the eighties, you want if you're playing, you want one tough guy on your wing because then uh, the game's a lot easier if you got someone like that to take care of all the stupid stuff. You you also played with the the, the dad, right? You played with Keith, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I played with Keith and Phoenix. We never played in the line. We were both left wings, but right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking about crazy teammates, who's the craziest teammate you've ever played with? Oh, geez. Uh, I'm sure there's a few that come racing to your there, mind. There are a few, yeah. One of the funniest guys I played with was uh, Jeff Cortnell. Mm. Um, just in Vancouver. I mean, he was he was hilarious. And and the, the, the thing that amazed me about Jeff is what he would go through to get a laugh out of the guys. I remember... Uh, coming in the dress room one morning and uh uh i came in the dress room and uh there's jeff and he's stand he's in the washroom and he's got mud up to his knees and i go what of course what's what's going on he's going oh he goes i uh, i lost lunch to uh sean and we, we had sean and on his head and we always called him we called him horse head because he had this huge head so he goes i lost lunch to sean and so i was driving into the rink and I saw this bale of hay across the farm. He goes, I walked, I walked across and I didn't realize how muddy it was. He had mud up to his knees. He grabbed this bale of hay, put it in his back seat, put it in Sean Antosky's stall with the big bucket of water and said, here's your lunch, Torshead. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy would go through unbelievable things just to get a laugh out of the guys. He was, he was, uh, he was a beauty. Oh my God. Wow. Um, I obviously you just mentioned um, the on off on ice story and off ice. Is there any other um, interesting stories that uh, stick with you after your career with you know teammates off the ice while traveling in the locker room? Uh geez, it's there's so many. It's it's hard to kind of. I probably can't say a few of them, but. Uh... <laughs> Actually, probably most of them there, <laughs> but yeah, th there's so many good stories. I, I mean, by far that was, that was the best part of playing was, was having 20 guys that were your best friend that you hung around with every time and you traveled with, you went on the road with, you played jokes on everybody joked on each other. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. That, that's what that's what made made playing the game so much fun. I think are the the pranks that we played on each other, the things we did, the things we talked about, and the, the fun we had on the road as a group. Um, by far, was the best part of the game. I imagine, yeah, it's got to be great. Um, I got one last question here for you. Um, after the NHL, you played for the Frankfurt Lions in Germany for a year, and he, and he had an amazing year in fifty games. He had forty two points. You're lighting it up over there. Uh, I'm just curious, is there any reason why you didn't return to keep dominating? Because obviously you still had it at that level there. 
Yeah, and uh, it's funny. I, I've, I've thought about that. I, they asked me to come back, and uh, it was, like you said, it was at the end of my career. I wanted to go play in Europe for a year, but, uh, uh, you know, after playing over there for a year, it just felt like, you know, it was maybe time that that was enough. I, I felt like I had enough. I played 17 in the NHL and, and one year over there. And uh, one year for the experience was great. I, I wasn't really prepared to go back for another year. And uh, But I have thought about it. I have thought, you know, maybe I should have tried to go back and play over there for a little more. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, something I've, I've pondered whether I should have done or not. And uh, just decided that I had enough and my body's had enough. I needed to uh, relax and I relax and uh, get out and play a little more golf. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, a lot more low impact. And yeah, I mean, man, you had an amazing career. I mean, yeah, 17 years, over a thousand games, you know, nearly 750 points. It's like you already did your work. I totally get why you might be like, yeah, maybe not. But it's also got to be <laughs> tough to hang them up as well to be like, because it's been such a big part of your life for so long. I got to imagine that's that's difficult. It really is. And uh, I was someone who really loved the game and, and still love it now. I mean, I play, I still play as much as I can. We play alumni events and I love getting out and skating with the guys. And we, we have skates in Phoenix once a week. So uh, uh-huh. it was, it was tough for me because it was uh, something I, I really did love the game and, and like to play. And uh, it was hard to let it go at the end. I imagine. You still catch a lot of games in Phoenix? We do, yeah. We go to some games down there, and, uh, yeah, I try to stay on top of it, watch the hockey network every night and get all the highlights. So, yeah, I still love the game. Very cool. Uh, Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. You had some great stories, and, uh, um, you know, it's it's always a real joy when we get to have a former player on for us. So thank you so much for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.